It is Monday, May 2nd, 2022. Welcome back to another episode of Pro Football Network's premier fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, BJ Riddell. With me, as always, is PFN fantasy analyst Jason Katz, better known as Katz. Uh, we are coming off a very busy Thursday through Saturday. Um, uh, hopefully, some of you watched some of the draft or at least were aware of it. Uh, PFN had, uh, what was it, hundreds of articles, Katz. Um, that Katz and others, uh, many other folks, produced over the span of the weekend. Uh, player profiles, you name it. Uh, we had moment-by-moment draft updates that we were getting slightly ahead of the uh, networks. Um, so it was a very, it was an exhilarating draft, I got to say. And we're going to talk right now about uh, the fantasy implications of some of the quarterbacks taken what does it mean for these rookie quarterbacks what are their outlooks really and cats uh, i'm going to ask you probably where do you think their uh, adp might be uh, as we get closer to august and whether we think they'll be overvalued or undervalued because there's going to be some hype surrounding some of these guys and there's going to be uh, a very understatedness uh, with some other guys and it might not be accurate um so with that in mind uh cats so we're going to start things off with kenny pickett um, and uh, going to the first round of the Steelers. And uh, some might thought that he would go uh, much earlier uh, in the first round. Uh, but the fact is a team that really does need a franchise quarterback after Ben Roethlisberger's retirement uh, got their guy. What are your thoughts about Pickett fantasy-wise, especially given the competition in that uh, quarterback core? Overall, it's going to be difficult to discuss this class from a fantasy perspective because I don't see any of these quarterbacks being drafted in standard size 12-team leagues. Outside of Superflex, we're not looking at much fantasy relevance from this group. In Superflex, Kenny Pickett will certainly be fantasy relevant. Uh, I was under the impression initially that Mitch Trubisky was pretty confidently going to start week one. But with the likelihood that Pickett ends up making starts at some point in the season, unless, unless Trubisky actually plays really well. Uh, after after the draft, I'm not so sure that Trubisky will start week one. The Steelers did take Pickett in the first round. He was the only quarterback taken in the first two rounds. And he's their guy. And we heard a lot about the Steelers being linked to Malik Willis, and they ended up going with Pickett. And I think that they're gonna, I think they're gonna turn to him possibly very early. The question now is, will he have fantasy value? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, he's a five-year college player. That's usually not a great harbinger of future success. He did have a fantastic super senior season in 2021, 4,300 passing yards uh, in in 13 games, 42 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, also rushed for 233 yards. Uh, But I don't see him drafted in standard size 12 team leagues right away, but he might be someone that you keep an eye on that could possibly be a streaming option later on in the season if and when he takes over from, from Mitch Trubisky. So I'm going to be a little more bullish about Pickett. And uh, the main reason is I like to look at what Ben Roethlisberger uh, did last year. Uh, Roethlisberger, who um, it's none of my business, but uh, I wish that he had retired a year earlier. Um, it is painful to see someone uh, of his greatness um uh basically have his worst nfl career um at the end of his career um the team uh, and we've seen this with other teams we've seen teams that are poised to be 
uh, not just playoff contenders, but actual Super Bowl contenders. If the Steelers had a top 12 quarterback, I think they would have uh, potentially gone deep into the playoffs. They had a very good team, not an amazing team, but let's not forget the year before they started the season, what, 11 and 0? Um, and they had most of their guys back except for Juju Smith-Schuster, who got hurt. Um, and they added a tight end uh, boost in Pat Fryermuth. So uh, this is a team, and, and who can forget Najee Harris? I mean, that's the team last year arguably was better than the team the year before when they started 11-0. The difference uh, is they had Ben Roethlisberger quarterbacking, and it's sad to say. I think Pickett in his rookie year by midseason will be better than Ben Roethlisberger midseason last year. I think Pickett has a sharp upward trajectory in an offense that has been gifted to him of basically 23 to 25 year olds in their pre-prime who are many of them exceptional playmakers at their position, at their respective positions. Harris is one of the best running backs in the game. Fryermuth, I think, is one of the best tight ends in the game and will be over, objectively over the next couple of years if he's utilized appropriately. And Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool uh, form a, a solid one-two punch. Uh, and then they just drafted another couple uh, receivers just to beef things up. So they're giving Pickett all the tools to play what could be a much more effective passing offense than what we saw from Roethlisberger last year. And I'll just add the fact that he can be mobile in a way that Ben could not, the fact that we might see him rush for 300 to 350 yards if they turn him loose the way that we saw on a per-game basis in college, um, I think Pickett is going to be uh, essentially not only the highest upside rookie fantasy quarterback, but also I think right now if he's starting week one, I'm putting him in the top 16. Um, that, is, that is very ambitious for, for a rookie. That is, uh, it is very ambitious. And I think one of the things, that, and we'll talk about this uh, probably in future weeks as well, is uh, it's easy to sour on, court, on rookie quarterbacks given what we saw last year. I mean, the first three quarterbacks that went in last year's draft, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, um, you know, what can you say about them except maybe two or three games? Uh, one of them came through over the span of a full season, and one isn't even the starter right now. And then you've got Justin Fields, who went a little bit later. Mac, the best quarterback over a several-week period last year was like the ninth quarterback taken, Davis Mills. So it, it is, it's hard to imagine right now a rookie quarterback just breaking through, but I think that Kenny Pickett in that system with that team, uh, I, I love it. I, I love what they did there. Um, let's shift uh, to uh, uh, someone who... Uh, also is in a pretty good spot, I would say, in terms of starting, but not as good a spot in terms of uh, personnel, and that's Desmond Ritter. Uh, Katz, what do you think? And I, I don't want to make it where you go first, and then I just I, I disagree with you, and then we leave it at that. So, you know, I'm happy to go. For, I'll, I'll go first with the two after Desmond Ritter. Why don't you go first um, and share your thoughts on Ritter? Uh, the Falcons are just taking a shot on a quarterback. I don't think they necessarily view Ritter as their quarterback of the future. At the same time, uh, third-round pick. There's really not much risk here. I think that any team that needs a quarterback that doesn't have their quarterback of the future it would be well-served to take a shot on a quarterback in on day two, even on day three. Odds are you're not going to hit. Every once in a while, there's a Dak Prescott, there's a Kirk Cousins. It happens. And if you happen to hit on one of those guys, well, you set your team up for the next decade plus. 
Uh, so I understand the pick of Desmond Ritter. I would be very shocked if he started week one. I still think it'll be Marcus Mariota. And I, I've been a fan of Marcus Mariota for a couple, for a, oh, for a while now, for most of his career. Uh, he, in his limited action that we've seen since he lost his starting job in Tennessee to Ryan Tannehill, uh, he played well. I mean, I granted, it was only one game, and he filled in for Derek Carr. Uh, but in that game, he completed 17 of 28 passes, 226 yards, one touchdown, one pick, and rushed nine times for 88 yards and a touchdown. Now, I know that the Falcons don't exactly have the greatest supporting cast. They did, they did, add, they did add Drake London on top of Kyle Pitts, so it's a little better. Uh, but I think that the way that offense is set up, Mariota's going to have to run if they want to move the ball. And I think he's going to do it well enough to hold off Ritter. If the Falcons are bad and losing games and we're looking at midseason and they're like four and 10, oh, that's pretty late in the season, maybe two and eight, they'll probably turn, turn to Ritter. But I, I really don't see him emerging into any sort of a fantasy force. Uh, but he, he does run. I mean, he, he ran for at least 355 yards in every year he was at Cincinnati. So there's at least some sort of uh, Konami upside there if he takes over. But given the uh, given the offense he's going to be stepping into, his stats is a third-round pick. I'm not bullish on Ritter having any fantasy value as a rookie. That's interesting. And then it raises the question why the Falcons would go with all the needs that they have. Why burn a, a day-two pick, especially when so few – I think he was, what, the second quarterback off the board. Um, well, unless they really liked Ritter, it would have seemed uh, to me that, you know, you, you don't take a quarterback at that stage unless you really plan to use him. Otherwise, you're better off taking someone else who you can keep for the next four to eight years who's going to really contribute starting, you know, as soon as week one, maybe some point during his rookie season. Um, I'm, I, I was confused by the pick given what you're saying and just given all the needs that they have and given the uh, uh, the fact that there were plenty of quarterbacks on the board, my assumption then was, oh, Ritter fell into their lap and that's who they wanted all along, or that was one of their top two anyway. Um, I think whoever starts in Atlanta uh, is in for a world of hurt in terms of this is not a team uh, that's uh, built to get to the playoffs anytime soon. I think the only difference between them and Carolina is that Atlanta knows it's bad. Um, and they've, they, they, last year, they basically started rebuilding from the ground floor, more, mostly because they had to uh, with the Calvin Ridley fiasco. Um, and uh, with Carolina, it seems like they're still holding on to valuable chips uh, that uh, are, are, they, they needed to unload and they couldn't. So I like the fact that there's nowhere to go but up. At the same time, I find Mariota, Mariota to me is a lot like Mitch Trubisky, not just because I think they were both picked number two overall um, in their respective drafts, but, um, you know, Mariota, I've seen enough of Mariota over his first, what was it, three seasons where he started most games. I know he got hurt some. This was a guy who, once defenses figured him out, he regressed each season. And, uh, you know, Trubisky had one very good season. It was a good fantasy season. I think he was like 11th or 9th in fantasy points per game. He was up there, partly because he was turned loose. He got to run more. Um, but I, I, I would, it would pain me if the Falcons spent the whole season and, you know, given your example, let's say they go 5 and 12 
and they've got Mariota, you know, starting most of those games, what have they gained by that? Um, unless they plan to keep Mariota for the long haul. And I don't see that as likely. So I, I think Ritter, if you're in a super flex league, I think Ritter is the play. I don't think Mariota is destined to be a long-term starter on that team, uh, mostly because I don't think the Falcons are going to win many games with him. They just have too many holes. Um, but uh, but to your point also, I think Ritter is one of those guys that it's going to be very hard for him to establish him, you know, as anything closely resembling a middling quarterback in fantasy probably for the next two years. Atlanta just needs to continue to remake their team. Um, let's go, and, I, and I'll go next, Kat, so you have a chance to uh, – um, challenge me on on anything, and I will I will have to shut up. Um, Malik Willis, Malik Willis, who uh, you know, if, if people who were uh, following Twitter or people who were in our uh, Pro Football Network Slack channel, uh, uh, a lot of similar sentiments. Uh, what is going on here? I know that uh, Brett Yaris and Tony Pauline on our uh, uh, five hour Twitch uh, 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 episode on Thursday night, and then again on Friday that question of what is going on with Malik Willis? What, you know, it, it, there doesn't seem to be any character issue. Why is he dropping? Um, is it because they don't trust that, that his talent, uh, you know, at Liberty is going to translate in the NFL level? What is the issue? Well, Tennessee made a very smart move. They know that, um, you know, they've just traded AJ Brown uh, the day before. Um, they're not really rebuilding, but Derrick Henry is what, 27 years old, going on 28. Um, this is a, you know, Ryan Tannehill has kind of, we know how good Tannehill can be. And we also know that he can be middling and we don't know what we're going to get out of him this year, but without AJ Brown, it certainly hurts. So there's nothing to lose right now, taking your quarterback of the future and seeing what he can do. And the fact that they didn't have to waste an early rounder on him, um, uh, probably makes it a lot easier. I really, really like Malik Willis in the same way that a lot of people do in fantasy. If you've got Derrick Henry running the ball and you're moving the chains uh, and you've got Robert Woods, Russell Gage, you know, that could be all you need. And his running game, that's that could be all you need to be a top 20 fantasy quarterback on that team. He's probably not going to flash anything beyond that, maybe top 18 to 20. Uh, but I think Willis is one of those guys where if Tennessee is not a playoff contender, if it's clear that the loss of A.J. Brown and if their defense and, and Derrick Henry cannot keep them in games um, enough where, you know, they're they're winning the AFC South, they're not going to win the AFC South in all likelihood. They're going to have a tough time getting to the playoffs. Willis could definitely see some starts later in the season, helping people in those two QB or super flex leagues. Katz, what do you got? Um yeah, Malik Willis is definitely one of those guys who would be better in fantasy than in reality. I was never a huge fan of Willis as a talent. I did not see him as a long-term starter. And in fact, I would say Malik Willis is everything people say Lamar Jackson is, all the critics of him, with that's actually Malik Willis. Lamar Jackson really is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And Malik Willis is what they want, is what the people who hate on Lamar Jackson want him to be. Uh, Willis is, is a maybe a low-end starter, high-end backup. And unfortunately, as someone who, I mean, there were people out there who threw a few shekels on Willis to go second overall to the Lions. For him to fall all the way to pick 86 to the, to the middle of the third round, that's a message sent from the entire NFL that they do not believe in him. I understand the Titans took a shot on him, and I get why, because, I mean, 
Ryan Tannehill for for as good as he was that one year. Well, look at the rest of his career. I, I don't see the Titans ever winning a Super Bowl or even reaching a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. He is he is competent. That's that's the best I can say about Tannehill. I would not rule out Willis replacing Tannehill at some point within the next two years. At the same time, uh, Tannehill's not going to he's not going to fall flat on his face, and and that's what it would take for Willis to get in there this season. So absent a Tannehill injury, I understand possibly taking a shot on Willis at the end of a super flex draft because he has that rushing upside if he ends up making starts, but he's going to need a Tannehill injury. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's someone that you're going to want to hold on to with the hopes that Tannehill gets hurt. Yeah. And, and you alluded to it by, you know, just in terms of maybe better in fantasy than in reality, it, it seems like I, I wonder if uh, teams looked at Malik Willis and they see someone like Trey Lance, they see Jalen Hurts, they see other guys who um, it's questionable at this point whether they are franchise elevating quarterbacks. Um, basically, can Tennessee win more games with Willis than with your typical um, you know, pocket passing, excellent arm? quarterback and I don't I, I'm not saying Willis cannot get it done through the air but maybe there's some question over is he the guy to actually carry a team um, through the air as well as on the ground and you know there's there's a there's a knock on Hertz for that reason right now we'll see if he can move to the next level I know I talked about this on a podcast last week Jalen Hurts had the worst completion percentage of any top 22 fantasy quarterback that's not a fluke you know, this is the challenge that you have with something, you know, someone who's much better on the ground than through the air. It makes your offense a little more one-dimensional. Uh, any final thoughts on, on Willis cats? Well, I cough quietly and then we'll switch to the next quarterback. Now I think we can move on to the fourth quarterback drafted, which was Matt Corral. And I will give you the first word as soon as you clear your throat. I'm good. I, I muted so I could cough heavily. And that'll get me through the next two minutes of talking about the uh, the Panthers. Uh, I'm based in North Carolina, as you know, Cats. Uh, and sometimes people ask me, what do I think of the Panthers? Uh, but I'm a transplant here. I have no allegiance to the Panthers. And frankly, it's a very sad franchise right now. Um, and I have no emotional attachment to any team, including the Panthers. Uh, this is, a, this is it's a great situation for uh, Matt Corral in the sense that uh, he gets to go to a team uh, and uh, uh, perhaps uh, have a, an immediate impact. Um, the Panthers uh, tried three quarterbacks last year. Um, Cam Newton was like the prodigal son, uh, you know, returning, uh, had, you know, that great opening game where, where he filled in, uh, you know, in situational uh, uh, roles. And then when his first start, he was exposed. Um, and it's too bad because I actually thought Cam Newton was a great solution last year. I thought he had a, a rough go of it with the Patriots. I didn't think he stood a chance with that receiving core in 2020, um, which was arguably the worst in the league. Comes to Carolina. No one can get it done. Well, I mean, let's face it. Sam Darnold's not the answer. Um, and, uh, you know, Cam Newton's uh, unemployed. And uh, P.J. Walker is definitely not the answer. So Matt Corral, there is a golden opening for a team that might not win more than four games. It really all depends on whether they part ways with Christian McCaffrey somehow, 
or if McCaffrey uh, doesn't play more than 12 games. Uh, both of those are more likely uh, than McCaffrey playing at least 15 games this year, just being very candid. Um, and so you're looking at a team that really uh, is, is desperate uh, for help. And I think, you know, uh, throwing it up to uh, to Robbie Anderson and, you know, and DJ Moore and et cetera, um, you know, you're going to get, you know, your 2,500 yards and your 15 touchdowns. But I don't see Matt Corral uh, taking this team to any new level in his rookie year. And from a fantasy perspective, he's probably going to be bottom five if and when he starts. Um, the only thing, the only saving grace is whether Christian McCaffrey literally carries him in fantasy, which McCaffrey has done. And we saw uh, Najee Harris actually carry Ben Roethlisberger a bunch with some of his, you know, 50, 60, 70 yard receiving yard games and a touchdown here and a touchdown there. It all adds up and it makes a, it pads those quarterback stats. So, you know, unlike in Tennessee, where let's say if, if Malik Willis is starting, you're not leaning that much on Derrick Henry in the passing game. You got to do it with the rest of your personnel. The difference with Matt Corral, the only upside he might have is if McCaffrey goes back to being the, you know, six catch 40 to 50 receiving yard or 60 to 70 receiving yard uh, running back. And that over time is going to help elevate Corral into, let's say the bottom 12 rather than the bottom five. What are your thoughts, Katz? Uh, I sneaky like this landing spot for Corral because out of every quarterback taken in this draft, outside, of course, of Kenny Pickett, I believe Corral has the best chance to make early starts because he has, I won't say by far, but by a decent amount, the uh, weakest starting quarterback in front of him. Whereas I do believe that Mitch Trubisky is like a low-end back, a low-end starter, high-end backup for uh, in front of Pickett. Mariota, same thing in front of Ritter. Uh, Tannehill, mid-range starter in front of Malik Willis. Sam Donald is not even close to a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. He has proven that through his, I think it's his, what, his, his, his fourth year in the NFL in 2021. Yeah, we've, we've seen four years of Sam Donald. He, he's not a starting quarterback. It's as simple as that. He should be, he's, a, he's a mid-level backup at best. And I would be stunned uh, if, assuming the Panthers don't do anything with, uh, with Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo, they go into the season with Donald as their QB1 and Matt Corral as their QB2. I would be stunned if Corral did not make starts. Will he end up being fantasy relevant? Uh, who knows? But I mean, this is a team. Well, that's a big question. What do you think? What do you, what do you, what do you think his, uh, uh, do you agree bottom five, maybe bottom 10 to 12 if, if McCaffrey stays healthy? Or do you think there's room for him to be the best fantasy option on a week to week basis among? rookie quarterbacks i'm i'm trying to put like a positive spin as much as i can on this quarterback class but the reality is this is the worst quarterback class uh since 2013 there's a chance it's worse than 2013 uh, there there's no one in this class other than possibly kenny pickett and then again maybe malik willis if if he ends up uh starting that has any sort of upside in, in real life, let alone fantasy. I mean, Willis has the fantasy upside, but I don't think he has the real life upside. So I don't think he's going he's to stick around long-term, at least not as a starter. So, so the hope is pick it. And then maybe one of these guys surprises. I don't see Matt Corral as a, as a starting quarterback in the NFL. I, I just don't. And that brings us to Sam Howell of the uh, newly minted commanders. 
uh, we've got, uh, I'll, I'll throw it to you cats, but just to set the, you know, uh, set the tone, we've got the, the Cowboys and the Eagles, likely the favorites to lead that division. Uh, the commanders are probably looking at a third place finish in an optimal, you know, optimal scenario. Maybe that's not fair, but that's how I see it. And you've got Wentz who has an out, Carson Wentz has an out in his contract. I believe it's no dead money after this next season. So Washington is paying him a lot, but they can also test out Howell if the team isn't doing well. And I guess my question for you is very candidly, do you see an opportunity for Howell to be the next Washington quarterback? Or do you think that this was a, well, we need to get somebody to back up Wentz just in case draft pick? I think it's a situation where the commanders, they've been trying to figure out their long-term quarterback ever since Robert Griffin failed. And again, he didn't fail because of lack of talent. He failed because of injury. And they had Kirk Cousins for a while, and for some reason, they just didn't believe in him. I do think it could have been him, but they, they've been looking for that guy for the last, the last decade, really. And they, they tried signing guys. They, they tried Alex Smith. Uh, they drafted Dwayne Haskins. Uh, unfortunately, what happened to him, but from an NFL standpoint, he was never the answer. Uh, Taylor Heineke was a fun little story. Then they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he got hurt immediately. I, I, I think that the trade for Wentz is more of, well, this guy was good at one point. And we're hoping that he can recapture that. Again, the Colts had the same uh, thought process last season, and we saw how that worked out with Wentz just completely like tripping all over himself in the final game of the season against the Jaguars to cost the Colts a playoff spot. Will anything change in Washington? Uh, probably not. I think at this point, uh, the, this, for me, the ship has sailed on Wentz as any sort of high-end starter. I think he is a starter in the NFL, but I don't think he is what you want in a franchise quarterback. So they see Sam Howell there, who was once considered a potential, the potential QB one in this class. I mean, a year right. or two ago, he, he was in discussions for that, for that, that spot. So maybe, maybe that's still there somewhere. Fifth round, there's no risk at that point. They're just throwing a dart and, and seeing what happens. Is it possible Howell makes starts this year? I, I don't think so. I think that it would have to be a Wentz injury. I think that'd be the only way Howell makes starts. And if he does, I don't see a situation where you're putting a fifth round rookie quarterback in your fantasy lineup. I mean, in Superflex, any quarterback starting has fantasy value, but I don't, I, it, this might be a situation where even if Howell is starting and on your roster, you might be more confident starting like a running back or a receiver in that Superflex spot. Anyway, I'd be surprised if Howell was ever someone you wanted to start. Yeah, I, um, I'm i with you on that. And uh, I, I was happy for Washington that they picked a receiver in the first round. I'm not sure it was, the best receiver, uh, but who am I to judge? Uh, you know, they're making the assessment as they see fit. It might he might not be uh, the guy that a lot of people had going at that spot, uh, but Jahan Dodson definitely will help smooth over the uh, raw pain of Diami Brown and uh, uh, and uh, even the signing of Curtis Samuel, who may never pan out again after that fluky season in Carolina. Um, it's maybe not fair to say fluky, but right don't, now, don't call it fluky. Curtis Samuel's good at football. He just uh, he couldn't stay on the field last year. He he couldn't stay on the field last year, but he's he is. Uh, I I have my doubts that he will be a top two on a team uh, for the coming years. I think that I think that ship has sailed. Um, but I but uh, regardless, 
Um, you know, they go Brian Robinson in the third round, which was utterly fascinating, um, to put it mildly. Maybe they saw Robinson as the clear-cut best player available on the board from their perspective and, you know, can't knock that. Hey, you know, running backs get hurt all the time. Uh, let's make sure we have another guy in there. But Washington has a lot of holes to fill as well. Um, their defense needs to step up, stay healthy. Um, and their quarterback situation is obviously a huge question mark. And their receiving game after Terry McLaurin is a huge question mark. So, so much of uh, their success this year and what Wentz does or what Sam Howell does in, in these, you know, spot starts that he may or may not get come down to how quickly Dotson develops, whether Cole Turner uh, becomes, you know, a, an effect of their fifth round tight end pick becomes an effective guy tight end, or do they stick with the guy they have? Um, I think Logan Thomas uh, presumably will be healthy. Um, uh, but it's, this is a, a situation where I, it's hard to get excited about Washington's passing attack. It is it, the one thing to get excited about perhaps with Antonio Gibson, um, a full season of a healthy Antonio Gibson. And now it's even hard to get excited about that if Brian Robinson is looming. I don't see Brian Robinson as just sitting on the bench for his first season. Um, that's, uh, that seems unlikely to me, but it's, you know, we're not even close to camp yet. So who knows? Um, finally, the Patriots, Cats. Uh, uh, I want to ask you about this. Um, uh, obviously, Bill Belichick uh, uh, knows uh, more than most people uh, until he doesn't. Uh, and so uh, we can't we can't assume that uh, what he's doing is ridiculous uh, because sometimes it works. But in fairness, uh, sometimes he makes decisions that uh, are awful, um, objectively awful, and they turn out awful. He takes a quarterback in the fourth round. There's still a lot of talent left on the board. He takes Bailey Zapp. Did I, did I pronounce his last name correctly? You know. I, I think it's Zappy, but I'm not Zappy. sure. because i got to be honest. I have not exactly uh, watched a whole lot of Bailey Zappy where I've heard an announcer call him by his name. Okay. Fair enough then. I know you're, you, you and I are both, but you were exceptionally sensitive about pronunciation. And I really do appreciate that. And that's why I wanted to ask. So they pick him the fourth round. Uh, what does this mean? What does this mean to you? And from a fantasy perspective, for those in deep dynasty leagues, two QB leagues, um, Mac Jones, is this just a case where they keep him? uh uh their rookie uh on ice for three years and then he kind of figures out what to do i think this is a, a situation where where belichick is just trying to secure value and and when i mean value, I mean value in the future we've seen this in the past when they drafted jimmy garoppolo or jacoby Brissett, despite knowing they had tom brady as their starter there's just value in a guy that belichick sees as a good quarterback that he thinks he can go turn around for draft picks in the future if, if they, he puts Zappy out there in the preseason and he shows well, and maybe he gets into a fourth quarter here and there and shows a little bit of what he can do, maybe as a team down the line that trades for him and gives him something better than what he paid to get him. That's, that's really what I see here. Um, it's possible Zappy ends up being the backup for Mac Jones, but I really think this is just him taking a shot on uh, on a quarterback who, who I think is actually pretty talented. I mean, I actually think Zappy, uh, there's a chance that he, he might be the second-best quarterback of this class. Now I know that's a, it's a low bar. I'm saying a lot. Uh, yeah, but I but I, I do like him. But um, but I, I don't. I mean, he's not he's not a threat to Mac Jones. Uh, Mac Jones proved enough as a rookie that he's going to be the Patriots starter for the foreseeable future, possibly for the next decade. 
Right. And this is this is more of just taking a shot on on a player that Belichick perceives as talented who could return better than a fourth round pick in maybe three, maybe three or four years. And that's a tough to me. That's a tough sell because it's very hard. I forgot what they got for Garoppolo. Um, You might remember, but I think he had had, you know, a a spot start. Um, Yeah, he started when Brady was suspended. I think Garoppolo started uh, uh, some if I if I remember correctly, but it's hard to get better than fourth round value for a backup unless we get to see him in game action, because otherwise you're just basing it on camp and preseason and that's about it. And it's really hard for a team to give up like a day two pick uh, for a quarterback that hasn't really been involved in game action. So I'm fascinated by that pick. And uh, I know we'll talk about Belichick, some of his other picks as we get into more of the breakdown this month of the fantasy implications of uh, the draft. We're going to talk about in the coming weeks, uh, uh, detailed uh, analyses, fantasy projections, running backs, wide receivers, and perhaps even tight ends. Um, we're starting to basically, Katz and I, paint a picture for ourselves uh, and hopefully for, for some of you uh, in terms of uh, what's a realistic expectation for some of these guys going into camp, knowing that those ranges might shift. But if we can establish some baseline ranges for some of these players, we can start to go into the season anticipating what has to happen for these shifts, additional shifts to take place. Who needs to leapfrog whom? And what will that mean in terms of fantasy impact? Uh, again, thank you to Jason Katz, better known as Katz. Again, I'm BJ Riddell. This is Pro Football Network's Premier Fantasy Football Pad- Podcast. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.